no, no, hang on. Hang on. <laughs> not a good right, cool. yes, Ready? Welcome to the bite size edition of the Editor Roundtable podcast. Here on the Roundtable, we're dedicated to helping you become a better writer, following the Story Grid method developed by Sean Coyne. In these episodes, we bring you some shorter solo articles and interviews on topics that interest us as writers. Hi, this is Kim Kessler, and today I'm bringing you Vetting Your Book Idea. Is it worth writing? This is the first Fundamental Fridays post I wrote, and it's all about how you can use the editor's six core questions as a way to vet your story concept before you ever write a word. This coming season, I'm going to be using the six core questions as a jumping off point to study my topic, stories that don't work. So I thought it'd be fun to revisit what they are, what they do, and how we can leverage them at any point in the writing process. So join me for a quick bite of writing insight, starting right now. In the epilogue of The Story Grid, Sean Coyne says, The problem that bedevils most novice writers, and even some seasoned pros, is that they fall in love with the glamorous aspects of the literary trade, the romance of the creative process, the thrill of dashing off chapter after chapter in a white heat of inspiration, etc. And they undervalue the blue-collar aspects of story construction and inspection, understanding and mastering genre, story form, character, story cast, and so forth. They fail to learn how to edit. This blue-collar process doesn't begin merely after the first draft. It begins at an idea's inception. Hard truth. Not every book idea is worth writing. Writing a story is an all-consuming process. It devours time, energy, brain power, and not least often, self-esteem. Can I get an amen? Amen. But it's all worth it to tell a story that moves you and connects you with your audience. In order to reach this coveted end, your concept must contain enough raw material to cut into a finished gem. The truth is, the price is too high to pursue story concepts that are less than worthy. Figuring out the difference between a concept better left as a thought experiment and one worth writing? This is the trademark of turning pro. But how? How do we objectively determine if our book idea is a diamond in the rough or just rough? Is it possible to make this determination without a first draft? My blue-collar bones cry absolutely yes. Primary vetting tool. Story ideas spark in an infinite number of ways. It can be an image, a line of dialogue, an abstract question, you name it. But whatever it is, that seed of the story must be expanded into a sizable amount of raw, workable material. This raw material, the story concept, is what we are vetting. And what is our frontline tool for determining if our book idea has chops? The six core question analysis. At its essence, the six core questions analysis is an abbreviated fool's cap global story grid. And also one of the key diagnostic tools that certified story grid editors use to evaluate a draft. But even in the pre-draft vetting stage, the six core questions provide well-rounded breadth and depth of the story concept enough to make our prognosis and still leave plenty to be developed and imagined later. Answering the six core questions is the minimum viable product of a story. Question one, what is the global genre? Looking at genre through story good eyes is a distinct experience. It's not the categories you see on bookstore shelves. It's a set of specific information readers want to know before they partake. Sean defines these through genres five leaf clover. Here in question one, we're talking about the content leaf. 
Sean lists 12 major content genres, which are divided into two main silos, external and internal. Some stories portray only one genre, but the richest stories will have both. The key to a story that works, and in our case, a concept with merit, is one of our genres, either internal or external, has to play head of household. This, then, becomes the global genre. There is no wrong answer unless you don't actively choose one. Remember, you can make changes later if you need to, but making this decision will make all future decisions immeasurably easier. Question two, what are the conventions and obligatory scenes? In other words, what are the audience expectations for your chosen global genre? If it's action, we'll expect the hero, victim, villain, triad. If thriller, we're waiting for the moment the hero becomes the victim. In horror, we know the victim is the victim and the monster is the monster from the get-go, and so on and so forth for each genre. So how do you figure out what your genre's obligatory scenes and conventions are? Great question. First, by reading (laughs) and watching movies in your selected genre, then by paying attention to what strikes you. What are the big moments of the story? What scenes make you sit up in your seat or hide your face or cry, cry, cry? These are the scenes that invoke the primary emotion of the genre, and they are what the reader is wanting when they pick up your book in the first place. In Pride and Prejudice, the Story Grid Edition, Sean says, The reason why stories don't feel right when they do not abide the genre conventions is that genre conventions are the key ingredients that combine to deliver the core emotion of a particular genre. Without clues and red herrings, there will be no sense of intrigue in a mystery story. Likewise, without the 10 conventions inherent in love stories, the reader will not be spellbound by romantic feelings for the protagonists. Obligatory scenes and conventions aren't cliche. They are the foundation for the reader's experience. Question three, what is the point of view and narrative device? Who is going to tell the story? How are they going to tell it? This is a crucial decision, one that can completely transform the tone and meaning of a story. Your choice of narrator should never be arbitrary. It should get as much thought as your genre and be an intentional choice. Some options include single or multiple point of views, first or third person, use of free indirect style or not, past or present tense, and any other narrative devices, such as letters, unreliable narrators, telling a story to children, framing the story by opening with the ending and cutting back to the beginning, etc. Question four, what are the objects of desire, that is, the wants and needs? Answering this question gets to the core of our character and the story you're trying to tell. The external genre drives the character's want, their conscious object of desire. The internal genre drives the character's need, their unconscious object of desire. Honing in on your character's wants and needs will drive everything they do in the story. It's the motivation behind their actions and choices. Focus your characterization efforts here in the wants and needs rather than on random lists of character traits and preferences. Remember, Character is defined by action. Clear wants and needs articulate which actions your character will take. Question five, what is the controlling idea or theme? Now, at this early stage, this one may be difficult for you to nail down because so much is discovered about a story as it's written, but also because we all make the controlling idea and theme much more complicated than it is. The controlling idea and theme is one sentence that sums up the argument your story poses and sets out to prove through its narrative. Many writers claim they aren't trying to prove any sort of universal truth. They just want to tell an entertaining story, and that's fine. But their readers are going to find one anyway, because humanity is hardwired to see meaning. That said, it still doesn't have to be complicated. 
The story grid provides a simple frame for capturing your controlling idea or theme. The global value at stake is won or lost when specific circumstances that happen in your story that often relate to the internal genre. For example, justice prevails when the protagonist engages her inner darkness as passionately as she does her positive side. This is from The Silence of the Lambs. Love triumphs when we dispel base attitudes and embrace the vibrant mix of humanity among all social classes. This is from Pride and Prejudice. Question six. What is the beginning hook, middle build, and ending payoff? Can you encapsulate your story premise in three sentences? One for the beginning, one for the middle, and one for the end? This is one of my favorite things to tackle on a story premise, although it is arguably the most difficult. This is really where the story concept is actualized. The beginning. A specific character in a specific place and time faces a specific obstacle. The middle how they react, and how the situation progressively complicates. The end, whether or not they overcome. Stories are artifacts, not really made things which we create and can take credit for, but pre-existing objects which we dig up. Stephen King. A book idea is like an uncut diamond, sifted from the mud, raw material full of potential. Inside this jagged crystal are inherent possibilities, but not limitless possibilities. Not every diamond crystal has the potential to be the next world's largest diamond, just as not every story concept has the potential to be the next Pulitzer Prize winner. But who cares? Stories like diamonds don't need to be colossal to dazzle and delight. They only need to realize their best size and shape. Keep this permission in mind as you vet your concept. Digging tools for your book idea. In order to answer your six core questions, you're going to have to uncover more of your idea. Here are lenses to look through and tools for tapping and tinkering. Start with what you know. I don't mean this in the cliche, write what you know. Simply, which part of the story idea came first? Which piece did the muse reveal to you? Did you get a character? Did you get a setting? Did you get a what if question? Did you get a scenario? A scene? A conversation? Whatever you got, write it down. If you're looking at an idea that you've already developed, decide which elements feel essential and which are negotiable. Insert heart-wrenching murder your darlings quote here. (laughs) A complete story needs a setting, protagonist, antagonist, wants and needs, conflict, and so much more. So start with what you know and extrapolate. What else can you deduce? It's like algebra for story, but so much more fun than regular math. If you know X, solve for Y. If you know Y, solve for X. And if you know X and Y, solve for Z. Solving for X is asking what else would be interesting? What would progressively complicate the situation? It's brainstorming cause and effects for essentially any part of the story. When trying to solve your story algebra, give yourself permission to throw spaghetti string ideas at the wall and see what sticks. Make a list of characters, scenarios, settings, etc. A hearty list full of bad ideas. We intentionally embrace bad ideas because this inevitably leads to good ones. It is precisely the fear of bad ideas that stops us from coming up with fresh innovations. Don't be afraid to get specific. Not only does this lead to better ideas, it's the heart of a meaningful story. Without specifics, we can't be empathetic. And without empathy, we can't experience the depth and value of a story. Even a purely external action story requires we be bought in when the hero is up against life and death stakes but a vague villain and in a vague setting does not high stakes make. 
Try on a genre. You likely already know what kind of story you want to write, but how would your concept play out as a love story? Action. Thriller? Domestic drama? Do this with both external and internal genres and keep swapping out to find interesting pairings. A crime story with a worldview education plot and a crime story with a morality punitive plot would be two very different stories. Use the values at stake to envision the plot arc and character arc. In story, Robert McKee illustrates how to determine a range of values. There'll be a positive value, such as love, a contrary value, such as indifference, a contradictory value, such as hate, and the negation of the negation, such as hate masquerading as love. There are other values that exist in the spectrum too, some negative and some positive, repulsion, attraction, commitment, intimacy. All told, we have a nice wide range of values for our story events to traverse. Intimacy, to commitment, to love, to attraction, to indifference, to repulsion, to hate, to hate masquerading as love. Your story may or may not cover the entire range, but again, this is a choice based on your story specifics. Package it to share. Articulate the concept enough where you can share it with others in writing. Whether this takes the form of a logline, a query letter, a synopsis, whatever, writing it in a way that requires you to communicate the basics to other people. You may have to start out writing more and then gradually honing it down to its essence. Test drive your idea. Actually share your concept with others and gauge their reactions. Are they excited, asking pertinent questions of interest, or are they confused, bored? The goal would be for your concept to evoke curiosity or concern. That sounds nice, dear, is not a good sign. The truth and nothing but the truth. You've done it. Gotten real with yourself. Embrace that ideas need vetting before you dive into writing 100,000 words or create a beat-by-beat treatment of every single scene. You're turning pro, my friend. Using all the brain data you've acquired, now answer your six core questions. Also, remember, your gem doesn't have to rival the crown jewels. So if you're doubting the concept holds enough of the right stuff to sustain a novel, consider perhaps the problem isn't that the story doesn't work at all, it just doesn't work on that scale. Some gems are more beautiful when we allow them to be cut smaller into a novella, a short story, a blog post, a short film, or a short talk. All that said, what's your answer? Does this story concept have the necessary girth to make you go all in? Yes, this story is worth the investment. Great, next up, get a first draft. The first draft is the next major milestone where we unleash our arsenal of story grid tools. But again, I caution you against going straight for the page, even if you are the pantsiest of pantsers. Best to prime yourself for that monster first draft. There are essentially two approaches, macro to micro or micro to macro. Our wonderful fellow StoryGrid editor, Lori Puma, wrote a fantastic post about this, and we will post a link to that in the show notes. No, this idea is better left unwritten. This can be a disappointing conclusion to reach, but all is not lost. Often when you put an idea away, it continues to bake. Perhaps through writing your next idea, the missing element you need for this concept will find its way to the surface. Or perhaps it's you who needs to develop. Whatever it is that's telling you not to pursue this idea right now, rest easy. There is no limit on the number of great ideas you'll have in your life. Just remember, the muse favors the working. Final thoughts. Stephen King says, stories are artifacts we dig up rather than create, which is clearly a metaphor I love because I framed this post around it. 
but as beautiful and compelling the thought, which honestly takes a lot of pressure off, we must not fail to recognize our direct authority as writers. As writers, we dig up and unearth amazing ideas, but the idea doesn't stay as is. Our job as writers and editors is to then cut and polish the idea so that it can take on its best shape. Often this means abandoning some portion of the idea in favor of something else. The problem is writers get married to their firstborn version of the idea when it's the 27th iteration that works. In Story, Robert McKee says, Finally, it's important to realize that whatever inspires the writing need not stay in the writing. A premise is not precious. As long as it contributes to the growth of the story, keep it. But should the telling take a left turn, abandon the original inspiration and follow the evolving story. The problem is not to start writing, but to keep writing and renewing inspiration. You're not stuck with what you start with. You have the ultimate control. You can change literally anything. After all this, the ultimate test of whether an idea is worth pursuing or not comes down to one thing, you. How much do you want to write this story? Are you willing to invest all of the effort, blood, sweat, and so many tears to see it through? Even a well-developed idea with commercially viable potential needs this final test. A ready-made story that puts you to sleep or makes you avoid writing, you know, more than the usual amount, is it really worth pursuing? As Greg McCowan mantras in his book, Essentialism, if it's not a hell's yes, it's a no. On the flip side, if it is a hell's yes, well, that's really all there is to know. An idea full of holes that is unconvincing to everyone but you, but you still can't not write it? Get through the first draft and then let's see. Again, that's the beautiful and painful part of this whole writing gig. You get to choose. But perhaps the most beautiful part is this. Even if you pursue a meh idea, you take 12 months to write 100,000 words, you know, if you're lucky, and you revise for the next three years and decide to draw it, it's never time wasted. Every pursuit of storytelling is clocking on our 10,000 hours. Even when your story fails, you win. And without failure, what then do we fear? Now that's a going pro perspective. So get to digging. Your diamonds await you. Thanks so much for joining me for this bite-sized episode. If you're struggling to answer your story's six core questions, you can book a free 30-minute consult with me or any of our fabulous StoryGrid certified editors by going to storygrid.com editing. There you'll find a description about the kinds of writers and stories we work with, along with direct links to our website. Don't stay stuck. Reach out. We're here to help. The countdown to season five is underway. I'll see you in a few weeks.